recession is on the horizon because you know markets are now pricing in four to five rate cuts for next year. Would that happen in a time of you know the economy doing really well? Um, obviously, we're seeing um, we, we're seeing that inflation rates are cooling off dramatically, but I think that's that's also a sign that the economy is not doing so well because recessions are always disinflationary. Hi, and welcome to Wealthion. My name is James Connor, and I'm with Bloor Street Capital, and we have a YouTube channel of the same name. Today, my guest is Ronnie Stoferly, and Ronnie is the managing partner and also portfolio manager at Incrementum AG, which is an asset manager based in Liechtenstein. In addition to managing money, Ronnie and his team also published the In Gold We Trust report, which is the Bible for anything and everything to do on gold. Ronnie, thank you very much for joining us today. How are things in Vienna? Thank you very much, James. Pleasure, pleasure. I, I have to correct you, if if I may. You said it's the Bible for gold, and, and I, I always say, well, gold is not a religion. It's just something that really protects your hard-earned money. It's it's uh, an important um, piece of your uh, of your portfolio, but it's not the, the solution to all our problems. And I, I, I really want to differentiate that because we want to make a solid co case for gold based on you know your overall portfolio and not treat it as a as a religion so i always have to kind of react when people say it's the bible of 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 gold so um so, sorry for that little little comment no i'm glad you brought that up because a lot of people will see once we start talking about gold they're going to think oh no another gold bug and they'll stop watching but you're not one of these pundits who's calling for a collapse of the U.S. economy or a collapse of the U.S. dollar and hyperinflation. You are simply suggesting that gold is an asset class and it should be part of your overall portfolio mix. Yes, I think that's that's important. I mean, we we wrote many thousand pages of research about the topic of gold and and you know. Gold doesn't work in every environment, but it really works well in times of, you know, recessions. That was basically the um, for the 2023 in Gold We Trust report where we crunched the numbers in which phase of, of a recession um, gold works best. Gold works really well um, in an environment of a weak dollar, uh, also works very well as an, as an equity hedge. Um, and it usually works really well in times of deeply negative real interest rates. So so that's basically it. And I'm not sure if gold is really a, an asset. So I, I, I'm always a bit hesitant when there's a comparison between gold and equities. I think it's, you know, those are two pillars of a, of a portfolio. I rather would like to um, compare gold to other fiat currencies. Yeah. And I think it's, it's just the hardest currency, you know, compared to the US dollar, the Japanese yen, the euro, whatever. I think that's really the, the, the way that I'm thinking about gold. I understand. And Ronnie, before we do the deep dive on gold and how it can benefit your portfolio, why don't you first spend a little, why don't we spend a little more time on this report in gold we trust? And I just want to convey to the audience, it's just not a 10 or 20 page report on gold. It's, it's far more than that. It's full of fundamental analysis, technical analysis. Maybe you can just provide a little more context to this report. Yeah, well, I started writing this, this piece called in gold we trust in 2007 when I was still uh, a young, young analyst uh, in a Viennese bank. Uh, I didn't have any clue about gold. Uh, I just had this mining stock that did tremendously well and went to my boss and said, well, 
can I write a little special piece on gold? And he said, go ahead. Um, and that was the first in gold we trust report. And uh, now 17 years later, I'm still writing the report. It's probably the most widely followed publication on gold worldwide. We had uh, 2 million readers last year. Um, today, actually, we published the Mandarin edition. So it's also available for our um, Chinese friends. We publish in German, English and Spanish. And, you know, this is last year's edition um, called Showdown. Um, more than 400 pages. Uh, I've got a fantastic team, 20 people working in this report, more than 20,000 hours of, you know, reading, writing, crunching the numbers, doing the layout. I think it's really important that the report is layouted well. You know, it's, uh, we, we, we do all our charts on our own. Um, we, we use quite a lot of side comments from, I don't know, from, from Cicero to Winston Churchill to Homer Simpson. So it should also be to some degree entertaining because our readers give us their most valuable thing, which is their time. So, so many people really enjoy and, 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 and really have a great time reading our reports. And yeah, so, so I, you know, um, after so many years, gold still fascinates me. There's every day something new that I learn about gold. I just returned from Dubai and I have to tell you, talking to, you know, um, Arabic, Asian, uh, gold investors and traders gives you a completely different perspective. So I love the topic of gold, but as I've said, it's it's not a religion. It's not the solution of all our problems. But I think that everybody should at least own some of this, uh, some gold in the current setup that we're in. Um, so yeah, that's that's basically it. And we're already writing on the 2024 edition of the report. And just one more thing, um, um, it is not only one report that we publish uh, uh, once a year, usually end of May. We do have monthly chart books on gold. It's a monthly gold compass, can be downloaded totally for free on our webpage. You don't have to register on anything. Uh, we do have special publications where we measure the purchasing power of gold, for example, at the Munich Oktoberfest. So gold measured in beer, but also gold measured in um, in iPhones. Um, and the next one, and we're all really excited about that because we're, um, we, we love going skiing as, as good Austrians, obviously. Uh, we measured the purchasing power of gold um, in ski tickets. So, you know, the, the, the lift tickets are getting more and more expensive. You've got inflation at roughly 7% over here in Europe. Uh, but measured in gold, actually, prices are, are fairly stable. So um, that's kind of the, the research that we are doing. It's not only, you know, super quantitative uh, and, and serious. Sometimes it's also really, really fun. And therefore, we really enjoy what we do. No, you're so right about lift tickets. It's amazing how the prices of lift tickets have exploded in recent years. Like to take my family skiing in the U.S., like it cost me a fortune. Yeah, but perhaps it's just you know the the weakening purchasing power of the of the U.S. dollar measured in in certain goods. I think that's that's the way to to approach it. And and as I've said, measured in gold. Prices are actually fairly stable in many different um, um, kind of topics. And, and for example, um, you know, if it's a standardized product like, like beer, for example, um, that's a big difference compared to iPhones where, you know, if you compare the, the current version of the iPhone to the, to the first edition of the iPhone, I think it came out as $499. 
Uh, now the, the 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 most recent one costs I think fifteen hundred, but but obviously you know the uh, the the the, te the technical stuff, you know, all the cameras, you know, the um, the, the 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 all all those services that are nowadays included in a smartphone. That's that's completely different, yeah. So so actually, technology obviously would be deflationary, as we know. But uh, within our monetary system, deflation cannot be accepted. But I think that you know having this viewpoint of it's not the prices rising, but rather the purchasing power of the euro, the US dollar, and so on, just constantly falling. I think that gives you a completely different perspective on many, many, many things. Very good points. So let's move on and discuss this report in mo more detail. The title of this report is The Showdown. What's the significance of that title? Well, you know, we, we always um, try to come up with um, uh, uh, a light motif that basically describes or summarizes um, the whole um, uh, the whole report, which is not so easy. But um, last year, for example, we had the topic of of stagflation. Before that, we had the the loss of trust, the erosion of trust. We had um, the monetary climate change, and this year it's 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 uh, the topic of a showdown, and we all know it from the game of poker. You know, it's the final laying down of one's cards face upward, and 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 we said, you know, in in markets there at the moment three different showdowns. It's it's the showdown in monetary policy, where we all know that um, you know we've we we. The Federal Reserve has basically hit the point where they they must choose between fighting inflation and financial stability. So if they continue to be hawkish, if they continue the tight road, um, probably financial markets, um, you know, um, uh, the economy, um, real estate markets, illiquid markets like private equity and stuff um, will revolt. And then on the other hand, if they choose financial stability over fighting inflation, they will probably risk losing the credibility that they have rebuilt over the last couple of months. So this is the showdown in monetary policy. The second showdown is the showdown East versus West. So basically the G7 industrialized nations versus the Western world, uh, especially from the viewpoint of gold, where not only central banks, but also the private demand um, is more and more being influenced by emerging markets. So, so my thesis is that the price of gold is more and more influenced um, or made actually in, 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 in Shanghai, in Dubai and in Mumbai and to, to less and less degrees um, in, in, in New York, in London and in Zurich. So, so I think we should in the Western world, we should really focus much, much more on the structural demand coming from emerging markets and 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 we all know that the the, the gold affinity uh, not only in China and India and they are responsible for for 50% of, of global gold consumer demand but also in countries like Turkey Vietnam um, Saudi Arabia and so on is much much higher than in the Western world and the third showdown is actually in the gold price itself because uh, we know that um, you know actually Given the fact that real interest rates have risen so significantly, you know, up 350 basis points in basically 18 months, the price of gold should be significantly lower. So if we would have talked like one and a half, two years ago, and you would have told me, you know, we, we are having like uh, 
positive real rates now, um, but it's not the absolute level, but rather the direction and the momentum of this enormous surge of real rates. Um, I would have told you that gold would probably be trading at 15, 1600. Now we're trading at 2000 um, and that's it's an enormous sign of strength. Uh, and therefore we said that, that actually once we hit new all-time highs in US dollar terms, because that's really important. I, I think that most of the viewers are probably um, from the US, but but over here in Europe, uh, we've seen so many new all-time highs in, in, in Euro terms. For a Japanese investor, you know, gold is up 25% in Japanese yen terms. That's, that's like the perfect uptrend, yeah, from the lower left to the upper right, gold in Japanese yen terms. So, so we said that once we hit new all-time highs in US dollar terms as well, um, a new phase of this bull market will, will actually start. So those are the three showdowns, monetary policy, East versus West, and the showdown in the price of gold. So let's spend some time on these three different showdowns, beginning with monetary policy. And after much research, you and your team believe that the U.S. is heading into a recession. And I want to just look at the indicators that you're looking at, because when I look at the U.S. economy, I look at GDP growth, the non-farms, jobless rate, the performance of the S&P this year. To me, everything looks pretty good. What indicators are you looking at that tell you the U.S. is heading toward a recession? Well, I have to admit, um, we've been wrong with that call. Yeah, we, um, you know, we went into the year and we're already um you know pretty concerned regarding uh, an upcoming us recession and you know let's face it um china isn't doing very well um broad parts of 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 of, of europe are in a recession especially germany um but then when it comes to the us it's basically the last man standing um but that's also due to this enormous amount of fiscal stimulus um, I think that's that's you know if if we really want to simplify it, that's 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 the main reason why the U.S. is still doing so so well. Um, you know, running an eight uh, percent budget deficit um, in a time of full employment—that's we've basically never never seen something like that. Now, I think you know the indicators that that we follow, for example, is credit growth. It's it's normally once the the momentum of of credit growth weakens, that's already a sign that we are moving into uh, a recession. But now we are even seeing negative credit growth. So actually, credit is contracting, which is a big big um, warning sign. Then it's obviously um, the yield curve inversion and and the steepening that we've seen um, uh, recently. It's the leading economic indicator, which is a, a, an indicator that we follow very, very closely. It is now down 19 months in a row. So this is always associated with um, recessions. Maybe it's different this time. I wouldn't bet on it, yeah. Then other indicators, uh, like more market-based uh, uh, indicators. Have a look at the copper-gold ratio, for example. Um, it clearly shows you that, that um, you know, the, the economy is not doing so well. Have a look at commodities in general. Um, you know, it's, 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 doesn't look too, um, too, 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 too bullish to me. So, so from my point of view, we, we're clearly late cycle. Obviously, we've got an election year coming up, so the Democrats will try everything to, uh, you know, to avoid the the R word, and 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 I think they will, with their uh, wording, they will probably 
become quite creative. Um, and then on the other hand, Republicans will 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 try everything to talk down the the, the U.S. economy. Um, however, I, I would say that you know, um, a recession is not the end of the world, obviously. Um, and I think you know the markets are already kind of seeing, and 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 I think that gold is already um, is already telling us that that um, uh, that that gold is basic that uh, that that a recession is on the horizon because you know markets are now pricing in four to five rate cuts for next year would that happen in a time of you know the economy doing really well um, obviously we're seeing um, we're seeing that inflation rates are cooling off dramatically but I think that's that's also a sign that the economy is not doing so well because recessions are always disinflationary so therefore I would say a recession is on the horizon perhaps we are already on a, uh, in a recession because usually um, uh, once it's officially announced the worst is already over and I think the price of gold, um, which is usually up 10.6% um, over the course of recessions. Um, I think the, the, the price of gold uh, is kind of confirming um, um, that view. So that's a good overview of monetary policy. I want to move on to the second element of the showdown, which is geopolitics. And you and your team have written a lot about the BRICS and the impact that this will have on the global economy. Maybe you can just expand on that. Yeah, well, you know, it's 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 this big showdown between the the very saturated, um, perhaps also a little bit um, arrogant uh, establishment and the hungry upstart. Um, so um, we are seeing that um, you know, in in 2020 already, um, the BRICS nations have taken over the G7 nation in 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 terms of share of global. Um, uh, GDP measured measured in um, in in uh, purchasing power parity, and now we're seeing six new countries um, joining the BRICS. Uh, so it's Argentina, it's Egypt, um, it's Ethiopia, Saudi Arabia, um, Iran, um, and the United Arab Emirates. So so I would say there's from a from a geopolitical from a geostrategic point of view. Those are very, very important countries. Yeah, they are. They will be responsible for uh, roughly 50% of all global oil exports. So, so I would say that the analogy is a little bit like you know, two brothers, whether um, you know the smaller brother, the younger brother is growing up very, very quickly, and 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 um, you know he's becoming stronger and stronger, but the big brother doesn't realize it, yeah, and and he he doesn't enjoy the fact, you know, that the 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 once little brother is is now perhaps even stronger um, than he is, um, and I think that. It, it, it's not only gold, it's, it's obviously also commodities trading in general. It's um, some sort of um, critical um, stance when it comes to the US dollar, when it comes to uh, also US treasuries being, you know, the major, um, the major reserve for, for most emerging markets. But I think when it comes to the topic of gold, we are clearly seeing that gold plays a, plays a major role for 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 emerging markets you know because you know that um last year in 2012 we saw the highest amount of um central bank purchases in gold ever so they bought roughly 1100 tons of gold and the trigger obviously 
was the decision by the Western countries to freeze the, 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 the dollar and also the euro reserves of the Russian central bank. And I think this will really go down in, 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 in monetary history. And since then, we are seeing an enormous amount um, of gold purchases um, from the um, from the especially the eastern central banks. I think this is really really a, a, a main main driver these days. So 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 I would say as as we're seeing that investors' demand is is still quite slow, and uh, you know for example we've seen outflows in, in 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 gold ETFs over the last couple of quarters. So actually central banks have put in some sort of a floor for the uh, for the for the gold price some sort of you know um central bank put for the price of gold and you know those numbers are significant and 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 uh for the for the for the first um three quarters this year they already uh, they have already bought uh, 800 tons so so actually i think um what was the number compared to the time previous to um you know the russia ukraine war um, central bank purchasing, especially from emerging markets, um, is 2.6 times higher. So, so I think that um, due to the sanctions, um, where basically the Russians, but also many other uh, countries that are perhaps slightly critical um, to U.S. policies, they all realize that you know assets, paper assets, can become worthless pretty quickly. So they said, well, we have to diversify into something else. And I think you need something that is neutral, that is traded 24-7, that doesn't have any counterparty risk, um, that cannot be inflated at will. So gold was the obvious choice. And, and I think really this, this central bank buying is a complete game changer for, 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 for the gold market at the moment. Ronnie, let's move forward and talk about a possible recession and just operate under the assumption that the U.S. is going into a recession. You and your team have done a lot of research on what assets perform well during a recession. Why don't you take us through your findings? Yeah, well, you know, we're, we're clearly not in the soft landing camp or in the no landing camp or in the Goldilocks camp. So um, what we did in the, in the previous In Gold We Trust reports, we basically said, um, you know, um, every, every recession has five distinct phases and, and each phase has um, different characteristics. So we came up with this so-called incrementum recession phase model and crunched the numbers and just researched, you know, what works best uh, in each phase of a recession. So gold on average um, um, is a pretty decent recession hedge. So in every recession since the year 1971, on average, gold is up 10.6% and it is actually up in every phase of the recession. While silver, the S&P 500 and commodities aren't really good recession hedges uh, on averages, they tend to perform much, much better in later phases uh, uh, of the recession. So this is probably the moment when, when the Federal Reserve and also um, you know, politicians really start panicking. That's, that's the point when you know, this whole uh, reflation really sets in, then you can get a little bit more aggressive. Um, but in the, in, the, in, the, in the first couple of stages of a recession, um, you don't want to get too aggressive. What's interesting is that mining stocks actually did, uh, on average, pretty well over the course of recessions. Uh, in every recession, uh, in every recession phase, 
but in phase three. So, so you know, you can read uh, up basically also, you know, how we're calculating the model uh, and all the, the results in our In Gold We Trust 2023 report. But to put it in a nutshell, gold is a really, really good recession hedge. So if you think we're moving into recession, yeah, uh, gold is probably a pretty reliable uh, insurance against that. So you mentioned earlier that we are seeing record buying from central banks in 2022. And also in 2023, we still haven't seen the final numbers from 2023, but it'll probably be a new all-time record. And, and that's great, but we're not seeing follow-through with the miners. And gold itself is up 10% on the year, give or take. But a lot of the gold producers are underperforming. I think Newmont, the world's largest gold producer, is uh, down 15% on the year. That situation is a little unique because they just did acquire Newcrest, so they're trying to digest that. But Barrick, the second largest gold producer in the world, it's flat on the year. Why do you think we're not seeing much interest in the gold miners? And do you think there's a sense of complacency out there with gold and, and gold equities? Well, I would say over the last couple of weeks, it, it changed and you can see how quickly it, it actually happens in the, in, the, in the mining space and especially also in the junior space. Um, my, you know, I can tell you my inbox, inbox is full with uh, financings for, for junior miners and, you know, <laughs> well, you know, let's say in October, uh, you know, companies were not able to, to, to finance even at the, uh, you know, with really, really good terms. So uh, it, it clearly has improved uh, over the last couple of, 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 of weeks, I would say. But still, it's a, it's a tough year out, uh, out there for the, for the, in the mining space, especially in the, in the junior space, but also for the developers. So the main reasons, obviously, cost of capital uh, have risen significantly. Um, second is the fact that there's very little risk appetite, you know, if you, if you get like 4, 4.5, 5% uh, for fixed income, you know, if you're taking some credit risk, you can get up to 7%. And that's, that's opportunity cost for gold, but also for the, for the gold miners. We all know that uh, the management teams in the mining space could be slightly better. So I, I think they've... Um, They've lost lots of lots of trust over the previous cycles. Um, they destroyed quite a lot of um, uh, uh, shareholder value. Then another topic is obviously, um, you know, political risks. We're seeing it now in in, in Panama with uh, First Quantum, for example. Um, and 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 then I would say, you know, um, developing and you know building a new mine. And and I have to say, I'm on the board of directors of of two mining companies in in, in Canada. One of them is Tudor Gold, with one of the largest gold discoveries of the last couple of decades. And the the second one is a spin-off of Tudor Gold, Goldstone Metals. And it's just not easy, you know, um, with all the, the the permits required with um, you know all the the legal framework of, of also of course um, dealing with First Nations and so on. It's complicated, it's costly, and it it takes very very long. So, um, you know everything that can go wrong usually goes wrong in the mining space. So it's a it's it's it, it's a tough space. Um, I still like it a lot at uh, current valuations. I think uh, many companies have actually done a, a really good job uh, over the course of the bear market. So um, we're 
very, very active. Uh, we're investing, we're researching, we're talking to management teams. So on average, we meet 120 management teams in the mining space. And I have to tell you, I mean, that's that's our job, you know, separating, how do you say that, the wheat from the chaff. And um, there's some tremendous opportunities in the mining space at the moment, and, and we're really excited. And given your positive stance on gold as an investment, what percent are you recommending to investors that they allocate toward gold or gold equities? Well, I would say that, you know, um, the one to two percent that uh, many, many, many banks actually advise, um, that's that's not enough uh, from a portfolio point of view. It doesn't make any difference. So I would say it should at least be eight to ten percent. Um, perhaps even more, but that's, that really depends on uh, the age of, uh, of the investor. It depends on the other asset classes. It depends on your time horizon. It depends on, you know, um, the, the, your risk tolerance and so on. But there was a, there was a great study coming out um, from, from Bank of America, which basically said that 71% of all advisors in the United States have zero to 1% exposure to gold. And 27% of them um, have 1% to 5% exposure to gold. So it is definitely not a crowded trade. Uh, this is also something that is confirmed by, by um, um, uh, ETF demand. We've seen outflows over the last couple of quarters. So I think it's even though we are trading at or close to, to all-time highs, it is still something that is um it's kind of climbing this wall of worry especially from from western financial investors it's still not something where i would see an enormous amount of bullishness um also having a look at you know the price forecasts from from all the major banks and you know the the outlooks now coming out uh i've i've been studying you know the the, the 2024 uh, outlooks from from all the major banks and gold isn't a big topic uh, uh it's 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 basically um you know uh, uh everybody's writing about uh you know now is the time to invest in bonds so so that's a pretty good sign from my point of view so to to you know to answer your question i think there's no perfect number for your gold allocation um it probably depends on your bearishness uh it depends on the rest of your portfolio but it should definitely be significantly more than you know one to two percent because even if gold would go through the roof and everything else in your portfolio uh wouldn't do so well you know this very very small allocation wouldn't make a big difference for the portfolio so i would say between eight to 15%, something like that. So let's look at your target prices, both long-term and shorter term, as we look out into 2024. Where do you see the price of gold going? Well, I would say 2300, um, that's that's like the next uh, big target. But of course, you know, once we, we're, we're above new all-time highs, this is really where the momentum kicks in this is the point in time when um uh, ctas and you know more short-term traders will really get into um uh into gold um so so so, so you know as i've said by any metric 
gold is not a tr crowded trade yet. It can become a crowded trade. But but I think you know, Jimmy, if we, we we've had this um, um, uh, major top in in August 2020, which was an eight-year cycle top, um, and since then we've basically seen a very volatile sideways consolidation. And from a technical point of view, those sideways consolidations are basically the best cyclical correction pattern that we know in, in, in technical analysis. And I think given the fact that, um, you know, U.S. real interest rates have risen so significantly, gold should have corrected much, much more. So I'm interpreting that as a real sign of strength. And therefore, I think that once we really uh, break out uh, uh, above the, the, the old old time highs, then it can get uh, can go really quickly. So 2300, that would be the next major top. But our long term target for the end of this decade is 4,800 US dollars. Um, we've um, announced that in our 2020 report, based on a very simple monetary model and you can you can read everything about that model in the 2020 report uh and i still think that you know 4800 bucks by the end of this decade um is quite realistic yeah actually there was um a technical trader um um uh, from ubs uh who put out a really good piece and and he forecasted up to 8000 us dollars uh for the price of gold as the um uh, the target for this new bull market, eight thousand—that's that's pretty optimistic. Um, but as I've said, it's so far it's not a crowded trade. We don't really see um, investors' demand from the Western world. We're seeing this very stable and strong um, um, demand coming from central banks, which kind of put a floor under the gold price. And therefore, I think it's yeah, it's a it's a really good setup that we're seeing for the next couple of years. And given that the money supply has doubled in the last four years, those are not outrageous target prices by any means. Exactly. And the the, the, the big question is obviously, uh, you know, first of all, um, you know, people calling for $10,000 gold. I'm not sure if I want to live in a in in, in such a world. Um, it probably would go hand in hand with, you know, uh, yeah, let's say uh, quite a, volatile environment uh, to be diplomatic. But then on the other hand, uh, probably, you know, uh, what's the price of a beer going to be uh, in that environment? Yeah, <laughs> significantly higher. So so my take has always been um, gold is not there to make you rich quickly. Uh, it is really there to preserve your, your purchasing power over long periods of time. It's there to, you know, for this kind of... Um, big shifts from one monetary system to another monetary system. This is really the time when you want to own gold. Now for, for US investors, that might sound a bit strange, but you know, if you talk to my grandparents, for example, uh, they had four currency reforms, yeah? Uh, and if they wouldn't have owned any gold, they would basically uh, have lost everything through every currency reform. Um, so, so therefore, I think this is the reason why you want to own gold protecting your purchasing power over long time frames and i think that gold did its job really really well over the last couple of years over the last couple of decades and and actually over the last couple of centuries very interesting point Ronnie. and i just want to summarize your whole thesis so to make sure i have it correct but you're saying that the us is going into recession you think the fed is going to panic because of that and they're going to cut rates especially going into an election year 
And that's going to result in a lower U.S. dollar, and that's going to propel gold higher. Yes, yeah, that's sounds about right. And then, of course, if you add in geopolitical risks, that can also accelerate the move in gold. Yes, um, uh, but then I think you know people overestimate the you know the political or geopolitical um, impact on on the gold price. Yeah, uh, I think we we crunch the numbers and such geopolitical events most of the time only really have uh, short-term consequences for the price of gold. Of course, wars are inflationary. Wars mean, um, you know, more debt, mean lower rates usually. But I think, you know, just panic buying gold because there is a, a new war and, and you know, new conflict, that's, that's not the right motivation actually. Um, but I think that, um, you know, what's, what's really important is to say that, uh, you know, we're seeing this, uh, let, let's say that the, the love trade, I don't know who came up with that term. I think it was Frank Holmes who said that there's the fear trade. And this is uh, basically the, 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 the reason why so many people on the internet uh, try to, you know, recommend gold. But there's also the love trade. And this is really the fundamental physical demand for gold in emerging markets. And, and as I've said before, if you travel to, to Dubai, if you travel to, to Vietnam, to, to China, of course, to India, you can really see how important gold is for the daily lives of, 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 of those peoples, how important it is for asset allocation. And um, uh, I, I've said that a couple of times, the best questions um, after a keynote um, that, that were ever asked yeah, were, were in Turkey because, you know, um, you know, the Turkish lira isn't one of the, I would say, one of the strongest currencies. Um, Turkish people are just used to double or triple digits uh, uh, inflation. So for them, you know, gold is not like, a, you know, a satellite investment. It's actually the foundation of their portfolios. It's really a building block for portfolio construction. So one of our main theses is obviously that the great moderation is over that we're moving into an environment of more inflation volatility, of more macro volatility. And I think therefore also in the Western world, gold will become less of a, you know, satellite investment an alternative asset or something like that. But just, you know, it will be quite normal for many investors out there to say, well, you know, you should have at least five, 10, 15% of gold in your portfolio. Interesting comments, Ronnie. Ronnie, as we wrap up, I can see you have a very extensive library. You must be a voracious reader. Are you reading any interesting books at this time? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, I've, I got um, five five new books delivered today. Uh, my wife, um, <laughs> my wife doesn't know because she says, you know, you're ordering too many books. Um, but I'm reading. You know, there's like I, I always have. You know, when I'm traveling, I'm travel, traveling with three, four books. So there's, for example, there's um, Die Welt von Gestern, Stefan Zweig, um, um, The World of Yesterday, also a really good English translation, um, beautiful book about the hyperinflation, what it does to society, what it does to um, to politics. Um, then I've got, that's that's a great book. It's called Same as Ever, uh, Morgan Hounsell. Um, he he wrote uh, The Psychology of Money, which was a tremendous book. I just, for a report that we are writing, I just 
um, got my book, Austrian School for Investors, again. And there's also, we published that in 2014, uh, wrote quite a lot about Bitcoin uh, already back then. And it's still a really good read. Uh, I have. I hope it doesn't sound arrogant, but uh, I, I really enjoyed writing this book and we got tremendous feedback. Uh, and then there's another one here. It's called uh, Breath. Um, by by James Nestor. Um, I'm really into. I'm doing lots of sports, and I just did a a, a Wim Hof, um, you know, the Iceman, uh, uh, a seminar over the weekend, you know, uh, with uh, ice uh, ice um, uh, swimming and also breathing techniques. So so that was super interesting. So I look forward to to reading that book over the next couple of weeks. Wow, are you into ice swimming? <laughs> <laughs> I kind of got into it because you know uh, uh you know taking a very very cold shower in the morning I still hate it uh now I I'm able to do it like 3 to 4 minutes um but it's really you know the positive effects on you know not only your health but also your let's say your 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 mental health yeah are are tremendous so 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 I did some 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 ice swimming and it's not easy, and it's it can also be quite quite dangerous. But it is something that I really enjoy exploring. So so therefore, I I, I kind of, you know, um, trying to uh, I'm always trying to to challenge my you know my my borders and get out of the comfort zone. It it just you know it broadens your your perspective and your horizon. That must also help get your mind off the markets. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's if if you're plunging into ice cold water for a couple of minutes um uh you don't think about uh you know the S&P 500 or what Mr. Powell is going to do or say next. <laughs> well Ronnie that was a fascinating discussion and I want to thank you very much for spending time with us today. If someone would like to learn more about you and the services that you and your firm offer where can they go? Yes, we're so we're an uh, an asset manager um, managing uh, six investment funds. Most of them, um, I would say, in the commodity space, um, uh, gold, silver, mining, but also Bitcoin are are topics that we um, that we really um, uh, enjoy investing in. And and our, our our performance of our funds was was pretty spectacular this year, I have to say. So we're, it's been a good year. Um, so that's incrementum.li, where we also offer wealth management services for high net worth individuals, uh, primarily from German-speaking countries. And then for the In Gold We Trust report, which is the research report that, that um, um, my team and I put out, uh, it's ingoldwetrust.report available in English, in German, uh, in Spanish, and also in Mandarin. You can download all our publications. So the big report, 400 pages, there's also a compact version, and there's the monthly chart books, there's special chart books, there's special publications. You can download everything 100% free of charge. You don't have to give us your um, your email address or anything. That wouldn't be possible uh, without the support of our premium partners from the industry that basically said, well, actually, we like the stuff that you do. There's uh, not enough sober and honest um, research in the gold space. So um, they're supporting us. Um, so we are able to put it out 100% for free. And then I'm also quite active on, on, on Twitter. Uh, my handle is at Ron Stoeferle. And I'm putting out, you know, charts, but also, you know, stuff about uh, uh, music and some sports and, you know, just just trying to to also connect with uh, people from all over the globe. And yeah, so that's that's basically it. 
Ronnie, once again, thank you. That was a great discussion. Look forward to the next conversation. Thank you very much, James. All the best to you and your uh, yeah, people watching this. I really enjoyed it and yeah, wish you all the best. Take care. I hope you enjoyed that discussion with Ronnie Storfoli. And I want to remind you of another new show that we have on Wealthion called Speak Up with Anthony Scaramucci. Yes, the one and only the Mooch is now on Wealthion. And you can see him live this Friday at 11 a.m. This is your chance to ask the Mooch himself any questions you want on personal finance or the financial markets. Once again, this Friday at 11 a.m. If you are trying to figure out how to prepare for your financial future, consider having a discussion with a Wealthion endorsed financial advisor at Wealthion.com. After providing some basic information, Wealthion will put you in touch with an advisor. There's no obligation whatsoever to work with any of these advisors. It's simply a free service that Wealthion offers to its viewers. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel, Wealthion.com. We have some amazing content coming out in the coming weeks that will help you prepare for your financial future. Once again, thank you for spending time with us today, and we look forward to seeing you again soon.